What's up, guys? Welcome back to the fifth episode of The Drum Break, where we talk about everything in, on, and about the percussion world. I'm Mike. I'm Spencer. So what do we got going on today? Today, we have a very special guest, um, a friend of the show, percussionist, educator, drummer, vocalist, and co-founder of the band Player Blue, Brian Huey. Woo! How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Yeah, of course. How's it going? It's, it's going, man. Nice. Yeah, so uh, we're, we're really excited that you're here today. Um, you are our, our first official guest yes. of the Drum Break podcast. Um, and that being said, about our podcast, you can find us at a couple different places. We have a... Um, for social media, we have an Instagram and a Facebook, and links to all of our places that you can listen to us will be on either of those things. Um, we are on Spotify, or not on Spotify. We Actually, on, as we, of this episode, I think we will be on Spotify. Oh, okay. Yeah. So nice. we, we we will now be on Spotify. Um, that link will not be in the uh, link tree yet. But I'll put that up um, after we're done here. So, yeah. So, I guess we're on Spotify now. We're on SoundCloud. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are also on an app called Podbean. And then we're also on YouTube for people that want to watch us interact with the video and just be silly and, and you know, look at our uh, our faces. All right. Drum break worldwide. You're everywhere <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, man. So, yeah. that's uh, I guess that's, yeah, that's pretty cool then. All right. Sweet. I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Who are you? What Give us a basic intro to Brian Huey. Is there a basic one? Uh, <laughs> we'll, go, okay. we'll go deep, well, we'll go deep yeah, later. Just, yeah. Sure, sure. Know. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I've been, uh, I've been a drummer for about 13 years now, a vocalist for about, I would say, five officially. All right. Um, I, I guess you could say, you know, I've sung for a long time, but I started taking vocal lessons about five years ago. So that's how long it's been. Uh, I've got a, uh, music performance degree in percussion from Northeastern 2015, uh, graduated from the same high school you guys did. Um, I've, I've been in a lot of different groups and different bands. Um, I actually still sometimes go back to play with uh, the Northeastern, uh, wind ensemble because they have like an open wind ensemble community type of program thing now. It's kind of, it's pretty cool. Um, obviously COVID. So, you know, it's not happening as much, but, um, my the main thing I'm doing musically these days is Player Blue, which uh, is a band that I have with my brother Rick. Uh, we started it way back in high school. Um, him and I wanting to be in a band together is almost as old a- of an idea as me being a drummer. Yeah. Um, it you know I was you know three or four months into being a drummer before Rick was like, hey, there's this bass player coming over. His name's David. Let's uh, jam, and then next thing you know, we're playing for the mm-hmm. the the the, v, the variety show at at nice. and everything. But uh, but yeah, so I I uh, current uh, uh, drummer and vocalist for Player Blue. I'm also drummer and backup vocalist for a metal band I'm with uh, with my friend Steve Nystrom called Nystradamus and the Horsemen. All right, uh, and I um, and a a I guess you could say a team member because there's everybody does so many different things. Yeah, yeah. of uh, of a uh, entertainment percussion group called Coach of Vital Beats, which you are also both KB very Beats. much affiliated <laughs> <go>. with. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we'll have um, probably a member from there on, on here as well uh, in the future episode. But yeah, cool. So 
Yeah, we uh we all know each other a lot. We're we're very connected. Um, started as uh, not really so much for you, but mm-hmm. started as a teacher for me. Um, and then yeah, uh, he did take one lesson. Oh, he did. I did. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah. So it started started as a teacher <laughs> for us. Um, and now just like a a really awesome awesome friend. I would I would say one of one of our good buddies. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm glad to be part of the gang. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you uh, do you want to ask him? We could start with with uh, a sort of question going going all the way back. All right. Uh, what was say your first sort of inspiration or the first thing that got you into uh, being a musician, and more specifically a percussionist? If you okay. can think back to yeah, where it all started. Me, <laughs> I remember every second of it. Um, so my first experience on a drum set was uh, at a at a kind of like a youth center, a youth group center. There was this cheap drum set set up there, and uh, one, this one guy in our friend group happened to also he was a drummer, and he he uh, he kind of taught my our friends um, and me this like really basic beat that was just a just like that. We were just like trying to see if we could play it. Um, and, uh, that was in like seventh grade. Nice. Uh, so for me, uh, going back to, uh, uh, you know, 2005 uh, <laughs> oh, and six. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> so, and so I just kind of, eventually somebody, we played around with it for a couple months, but I, you know, it was, I knew that one thing and, and that's all I really knew how to do in terms of drumming. Uh, but, uh, I didn't actually purchase a drum set and be actually interested in learning it until about uh the summer of 2007 uh, which was the the summer going into my freshman year of high school wow where uh where so yeah so that's, I was, that's I a bit that's a big gap yeah it was a year and a half yeah I mean, well i, I mean, mean it, it was the same year? thing technically my my first instrument if you want to go way back uh was not? was oboe interesting oh. in, in, okay and so a couple years before the the me being exposed to what drums are uh in fifth grade um we had one of those like instrument fairs or whatever yeah, you go as to you in, do. in, in yeah. the field house or the gymnasium and this this one lady was playing an oboe uh some teacher and she was playing this thing that sounded really egyptian i was like that's cool i want to learn that um <laughs> and then we rented uh a oboe from a local music shop and uh i probably did it for two or three months and then I, I we had this group lesson every Friday at the school, and being me, I f- routinely forgot to bring my instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, but I messed around with that at home and just played like I made up little licks and things. And I, I yeah. you know, and eventually a, a month or two or three into it, uh, my my reed was splitting, and I couldn't get any decent <laughs> sounds, and I didn't really care that much, you know. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe I'm done with the oboe for a while, and then two years later exposure to drum set and then i finally bought my drum set um uh i i got it because um i think my, my dad actually shopped around for, up for it for me because i was like hey i want to this brand looks cool and he's like no i found this cheaper one it was a first act drum set it was a five nice. piece uh it was a 20 by 16 kick uh just your standard snare uh with with 12 13 16 toms these cheap little brass symbols that was just something to hit. Yeah. Um, and he's like, here, this is 300 bucks for free shipping. I'm like, all right, fine. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I got it and, and, uh, set up in my basement. And then, you know, the, 
the same day I had it set it up, uh, my brother, who was a guitar player for at least a couple of years at that point, because I wanted to play drums because I didn't want to copy Rick, quote yeah. unquote, uh, you know, because like, you know, it's, stop siblings, cop- stop copying you know. me, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I played drums instead because, you know, why not? Um, and so he comes downstairs and hands me uh, drum tabs for For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. Okay. Um, and he's like, here, learn this. And I'm like, all right. You know, and, you know it's, I, I love, I just, I really just wanted to, to, to do it as something to do during the summer that wasn't just play video games. Yeah. Uh, because my entire life, just like when I wasn't just hanging out with friends, like my kind of default activity was just playing video games. I was like, mm-hmm. I need something else to do. It's something more productive. It's a musical instrument. I get to make a bunch of noise. It's fun. And I can learn like Metallica. I loved, at mm. that point, I loved Metallica. Um, it was actually, you know, and, and, and Megadeth and Trivium and all these different metal bands and Black Sabbath and stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll just go learn a bunch of my favorite songs. And, and so that's what started like, you know, uh, during that summer for yeah, mid-June to basically until school started. I was just learning songs off of drum tabs, which I don't know if you've ever seen tabs before. You ever played guitar? I have you look at, you seen look at guitar tabs. Guitar yeah. tabs. They make they have those, but for drums. I didn't know that. And it's ba- <laughs> it's like a slash and sixteen hyphens and another slash is 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 a measure worth is a four four measure worth of like sixteenth notes. Yeah, okay. And then you have that for what each piece of the kit. It's this hyphen grid, and then an O is like a note, and an X is a symbol, and yada yada, ah. and stuff like that, and. When, when you look at it, you're like, oh, I can see how this would look like actual music. Um, and so it was like me looking at the tab and listening to the song and just playing along to it a million times. Now, for someone who has, who at that point basically had zero musical note experience, it was like, oh, tabs kind of make sense. And <laughs> so I was just me like, okay, I'm going to learn like the first like four measures of For Whom the Bell Tolls or whatever. And then it was just me playing this. It took me probably like a total of like 30 or 40 hours to like learn this one song off of tabs but so that entire summer was me playing for like six to eight hours a day like straight playing you know there's some food and bathroom breaks but it was just like i have nothing to do i'm just gonna do this yeah um and so by the time school hit i knew like half a dozen songs memorized and all these things and i was like i was i started to get into like buying gear and i was like hey i want a double bass pedal because lars ulrich has one mm. hey i want to get this one symbol because lars ulrich and that's used, where it started he, he uses yeah. zildjian and then i became a gearhead because i was like well my kid there's only one bass drum why well, want a second one so for my birthday that year I got my, you know, the first second bass drum. Mm-hmm. So I only owned a double bass pedal for like two months before getting a second bass drum. And it was weird at the time because the first act uh, was a 20. Well, oh, there and, were different sizes. And I got a 22. And so it was like, it was super And then I got like another Tom. So like, you know, four or five months into drumming, I had two kick drums that were completely mismatched. But my, I was more concerned with them being all red because you know red is the best sounding color and so yep. uh so i had you know two kicks and and a bun- whole bunch of cymbals and, and three rack toms and a floor tom and i was like i want to be because you know, at the time my favorite drummers were uh you know nick menza from megadeth lars Ulrich from metallica travis mm. smith from trivium they all had this big double bass kits with a bunch of cymbals yeah. and i was like that's what i want to do i want to be me- you know i want to be you yeah. know those guys so so um, going off of of what you just said there um like who are like the bigger like inspiration of yours like throughout your years it, it changes over time so okay. in, mostly in high school it was um like Lars Ulrich, Nick Menza, Gar Samuelson, who those two were from Megadeth, uh, Vinnie Paul from from uh, uh, Pantera, Travis Smith, who was a former drummer for Trivium for the first four records, 
Uh, there was, um, and then when I discovered Dream Theater, was huge Mike Portnoy fan. Mm, okay, huge Mike Portnoy fan. Uh, all I mean, still am. I still keep up with what he's doing, but specifically like with his work with uh, Dream Theater, Transatlantic, and Liquid Tension Experiment. Um, actually, and and uh, yeah, so all those guys, and then um, uh, uh, tr- what's his name? Scott Travis from Racer X and uh, Judas Priest. Um, and then eventually when I started getting more into technique and, and crazier things, I started getting into, uh, Terry Bozio, Jojo Mayer, Virgil Donati, yeah. okay. um, Latin drummers like uh, so, Rodney so Holmes. You're, and you're pretty, yeah. you're pretty all over. I'm all over the place. And then okay. eventually like Dave Weckl, Vinny Cagliuto, Steve, the, the classics, you know, yeah. buddy, buddy, I was, my first drum teacher gave me these two VHS tapes of like a buddy rich documentary. Nice. I watched that cause I still had a VCR. Um, and, uh, you know, I got like, I, uh, started reading modern drummer a lot. Like I just cool. threw at my, everything I had you at were just this. in it. Yeah. And then, and then over, when I started getting more into Prague, it was, you know, uh, Pat Mastelato, Bill Bruford, Alan White, um, you know, those, those type of guys. Cool. So yeah, you got, you want to do that? No, you can, All right. you can go. So like going off of that, like what would you say that like your style um is i mean are you more like that's a very good question i'm very <laughs> glad you asked it so recently um in the past few years i got really into bruce lee and specifically trying to take his philosophy on martial arts and apply it to percussion and teaching and so at at this point in time i wouldn't really say that i necessarily have a style per se okay um because what i tried to do which is what he sort of tried to do is um well spe- specifically he says he doesn't believe in styles i obviously believe in styles because they they exist and everything yeah. and um but what i try i'm i'm of the mentality that i want I, i'm i've for so long i've tried to be um i, I wanted to study each individual style so i can uh, be able to emulate and write and compose and improvise in those all those various styles. And if you go just based on the big categories like rock, metal, jazz, Latin, yeah, uh, and all their little subgenres and you know funk and things like that. Um, I guess I could say the genre I play the most is um, just progressive rock because that happens to be the music I'm into the most these okay. days. Um, I. I I haven't played jazz in a long time, so I wouldn't really consider myself a jazz drummer. Um, and if you were to listen to me, if a real groovy jazz cat were to listen to me play jazz, be like, who's this square <laughs> kid playing, trying to pretend like he can swing? Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know what I mean? What is my style? I I don't I couldn't tell you. Um, I, so, I, I if 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 I guess it depends on which group I I get. Uh, if if I were to get popular or famous for whatever, it would. You know, I would hope it's uh, player blue, and then I would be thrown into the prog rock drummer category. Okay. Um, if all of a sudden KB Beats was an international big thing, I would be uh, the 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 drum set yeah. guy. I would be a hip hop <laughs> drummer. I don't know. I would I would probably yeah. be I would probably be better known as a rec- as a recording engineer. <laughs> mm. um, or if it were Nostradamus, I would be a metal drummer. You know, or okay. whatever. Um, if you look at my drum set, you would immediately say, "Oh, this guy's a yeah. prog. He's a yeah. prog We'll get drummer. in. We'll get into yeah. that monstrosity of a thing <laughs> yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess you could say, um, if I were to, I guess I could say, if I were to answer, currently, I'm a prog rock drummer. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. 
or just prog because it's more there's more to it than just rock so i'm a prog drummer okay not, not pr <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know what prog is not p-r-a-g-u-e that's a place yeah uh, prog meaning p-r-o-g short for Republic. progressive meaning yeah. uh sort of a combination of many different styles and and things like that that's kind of what progressive is it's yeah it's, hey let's take like progressive jazz or progressive rock progressive metal hey let's take this thing that's jazz or rock or metal or, or latin or whatever the bass genre is and just do add more it, add, it. trickle in other elements from other genres and things like that yeah so interesting yeah, yeah. so i just try to emulate what pro- what progressive means to to me which is the i guess you could say the 1960s and 70s definition of it which would be uh, kind of this base genre with elements of all these other places thrown into it to create something that's unique. Interesting. Speaking speaking of which, um, with your your prog drumming career, mm-hmm. uh, do you want to uh, dive in a little bit uh, with the the origins of of your band Player Blue? Sure. Um, maybe detail a little bit of your sort of creative process or songwriting things stuff like that if you sure yeah, yeah. delve in so um player blue in when it was initially called player blue wasn't until um the fall of 2015 uh but so it was a trio of myself our former bass player david and my and my brother rick who played guitar and uh but for pretty much i would say 2008 through 2015 that trio that was player blue played together and we played shows and we did this and we never actually had a name uh and we none of us could sing at the time i I didn't come up with the idea of wanting to sing and play drums until uh you know 2010 or 11 which is like Um, the most foreign thing ever yeah well the last episode it's like because I, I can't even think of trying to sing and or talk and drum at the same time, yeah, let alone. Well, so I I had like I've always liked singing along to songs. I never liked doing it in public. I never wanted to join choir. Uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't want to be in church or anything. But like one day you're just like, I, I think was, I'm gonna sing but, for my band but, now. Yeah, but I, but I liked you know because because I was always like I I would like walk. I would not take the bus during high school, and I would instead walk home through like the park so i could sing along to my music because i didn't want anybody to hear me you know um and i just liked singing but but i was always too like self-conscious because i knew it was not very good um but i just liked doing it until eventually i was like you know like i'm being behind the drum set is like you kind of have this sense of invulnerability because of that like when you're back there like you know, you're in your element and you're like yeah. nobody can touch me right now like mm-hmm. i can you know i can repel any beasts or demons with this thing right here like so eventually i was like why don't i just start you know i, I like singing and obviously i like drumming why don't i mean they both go together anyway you know i've seen guys like phil collins and mike portnoy and terry bozio do it so yeah. was, why can't I, you, know, you i can do it right yeah. um and so at that point because of how much i'd practiced and focused on um the concept of kind of putting things on autopilot as it were um i just i already knew how to sing specifically i started with the dream theater because i knew i didn't because it was clean vocals it it was back then i was into a lot of death metal and growling Mm -hmm. and things like that but (laughs) i didn't want i stopped practicing that a long time ago um but uh, i was like well i i I know like i could sing that you know not to to maybe not very well but i could sing like their entire catalog i knew like every song and i could play you know the other half of them 
Uh, and so I was like, well, I'll just try out some Dream Theater of all things mm-hmm. to start yeah, off right. with. But next thing you know, I was playing, uh, you know, their 11 minute song Lines in the Sand and singing it and playing it. And I was like, it just kind of happened like, because I can do this. Right, know? exactly. Because I had played the song on drums so much that it just, I was, I could do it in my sleep. You and could so focus on I was, the singing. Exactly. More. I was focusing on the singing and I was like, wait, like, this might turn into something one day. I'm going to keep doing this and kind of put it in my back pocket because I had never had any intention of being a lead vocalist, but I was like, you know what? I'll sing some mean, backup, mean backups one day um, <laughs> and it'll be great. So I just kind of put it in my back pocket. Um, and I didn't have like a microphone until the, like 2015. I would just sing and play. And my brother was like, you know, I can hear you singing as loud as I can hear you drumming. And I was like, I must have a pretty loud voice. <laughs> That's Okay. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so going back to the, uh, origin of player blue, we had started way back when just three dudes playing instrumental music. Like uh, it was hard to pick because we didn't have keyboard or a second guitar. So like, what the heck do we play? Um, so we played, uh, I remember individual songs that we played cause we, they were the only songs we played. We played, uh, Orion by Metallica. Uh, we played this, this song called, Kurt, uh, uh, technical difficulties by racer X, which we actually still play. Uh, Scarified by Racer X, which we still play because they're yeah. those are pretty dope songs. Yeah, we play uh, Building the Church by Steve Vai. Uh, we play uh, Jordan by Buckethead, which was um, the, that popular song for, you know everybody knew from Guitar yeah. Hero. Yeah, um, which is an interesting song because my brother he had this cheap gu- cheap guitar painted like the Van Halen Frankenstein guitar, okay. which he installed what's called a kill switch on. And if you don't know guitar, um, it's it's just a button on the guitar that stops the signal. I just so, have a guitar back there, and it just sits there to look pretty. Like, Nobody <laughs> actually ever plays it. <laughs> it's a decoration. I, I have the um, gent stick in the back. That's as far oh, as I'll get yeah. with with yeah, yeah with playing guitar. Um, <laughs> I, I like learning things about other instruments just so because you know, like back when I would uh, teach pit, like I could tech our piano player, or bass player. I was like, okay, I got to learn a little yeah. bit about these instruments so I can better. Uh, rehearse them and teach somebody how to like. Hey, you know, I don't know about technique, but uh, can you play that line a little more? It doesn't really here? sound right. You know? yeah, yeah, it's like, but but I wanted to know why it didn't sound right and mm-hmm. explain to them what I wanted them to do instead. That's pretty much my extent to guitar and and you know basic techniques. But so so for my freshman, so Rick and David were two years older than me. So for my freshman and sophomore year, we played all these different things together. We played variety show. We played for uh, the the school. Well, they had this thing called a telethon which was a, a money, it was a charity fundraiser thing. They had this 24-hour telethon, yeah. and uh, we played for uh, we played a couple things there. Uh, you know, going on stage, playing uh, Racer X at 2 a.m. was <laughs> was a fun experience. I, I wish, I, didn't, I don't think that, I I think they only did it a, one or a few times. I don't, I don't think you guys were ever oh, no. made privy to something like that, but. Um, we had uh, Jamnesty, that was about as far We as had we that did. too, yeah. We about had, all the bands. There was, yeah, yeah but... there was Paradox, Taste of South, uh, also, um, yeah. I don't know if you guys had that. That, that kind of jamnesty kind of turned into with Taste of the South too. Yeah. Oh yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but uh, but so we just played ever we played um, at uh, some open mics in the area. There was this American Legion we played two or three times. Which uh, there is an interesting story with this guy who uh, was probably forty or fifty years old. The sound guy was wanting to start a death metal band, and he tried to recruit us as like his backing band. Yeah. <laughs> I, I won't get into it now, okay, but, yeah. uh, but we turned him down because we uh, the music was bad and we didn't want to wear corpse paint. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> oh, I think man. that speaks for itself. Um, but uh, but uh, and so eventually uh, we actually um, wrote some music. They were just instrumental music. These three songs, uh, which for Rick and David's senior project, they were like, "Hey, let's record 
a, a demo with these two cover songs and they found a guy whose senior project was to just record other people's senior projects because I guess there was a market for that. Um, and so we made this five song demo that unfortunately was never finished because the engineer, uh, his like, like his computer died like before he was able to finish Aww. mixing and mastering everything. And so we have somewhere in the depths of um of mine and Rick's computers somewhere these uh eleven year old recordings wow. that are like n- just like not finished, you know? Yeah. Um we actually have uh a hard copy, a CD of this like unfinished tracks buried in someone's <laughs> closet somewhere. Um and I, I I this is something I regret not pursuing because the guy, the engineer, after because senior projects at the end of the year and after he graduated, yeah. he basically like stopped caring. So we never oh. got finished tracks from him. I regret not like taking that C D and like making a band name and like just putting it out there. Yeah. Like just were they the were they the best it. tracks? Probably not. Yeah. They were really just strings of riffs, these cool riffs we made and all these things. There were no vocals or lyrics, but I thought they were pretty cool. And I was like, hey, we should put this out. And they were like, no, it's not like the best thing. Let's mm-hmm. not do that. I don't know why they sound like that. That's not what they sound like. Um, that's my impression. No, that's, that's my. That sounds like that's, your brother. That's my impression of my, anyone else. My pretentious musician. Yeah. No, we don't want to do that because it's like not perfect. You know, uh, it's not like what, you great. Know, we can that's write great. better. And, and so what happened was uh, Rick and David, uh, they went off to college. And so Rick went to pursue um jazz guitar at columbia and david went off to a different state to do do double major and some stuff and so uh we basically didn't exist as a band from uh 2009 till about 2000 we started doing things for real again in like 2014 yeah um so for five years i was like what am i gonna do right so during those years uh for a couple years i started a uh it's like as soon as they graduated i was like i need to start a prog band and i want to do this so somehow in like a month i got a guitar player bass player keyboard player and a vocalist that's that's ridiculous hard to do within a month within three years that's hard and i was i was i was not a popular guy. I didn't know that many people. Yeah. Um, You're just that curly haired kid. I, I yep. was a curly haired kid who <laughs> sat in the back and tapped on his desk really fast and nice. like just listened to metal and annoyed everybody because it's constantly tapping on my desk. And, you know, I didn't know what networking was. Like, I had yeah. the thing is, like, my brother and I, um, our uncle plays guitar and he's a musician, but we didn't go into this with like, we went into this with almost zero support from somebody that wasn't just like ourselves in a way mm, yeah like you know our parents were like yeah go do the, the thing yeah. uh sure but like it wasn't like um here let me teach you what networking is like you yeah. know like let me teach you how to be a musician there was none of that yeah which and so i feel like that happens to a lot of people like the networking is something that I, I believe networking is something that can't be taught. It's yes. something that you have to go Just do learn. yourself. Yeah, yeah you then, have to go and, learn. And and Rick and Dave and I, we all three of us were like total recluses. Yeah. We we just we 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 weren't like uh I, I am not the same person I am now I'm not the same person in 2009 as I was in 2019. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like I would not hang out with 16 year old me. I was a drag. <laughs> all, all I like, all I could back then, all I could think about was I want to be a good drummer. I want to yeah. practice. I want to learn songs. I want to write music, and that's just what I want to do. Um, and I, I just like wasn't. It's all I wanted to do. And so some, so I got my cousin actually, who's in a band called uh, Water 
Water Taxi to Pluto. They actually put out a video last year, um, but he played uh, classical guitar, clarinet, and metal guitar. Um, and so I got him on board. Um, I happen to know this one guy who is, uh, his name is Donish. He's uh, one of the founders of this band called Sithirism. Sithirism? It's, I don't know. I'm Sithirism? Nice. I don't remember how to pronounce the Zithura? name. But, but, but you remember Caleb. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he's the drummer for that band. Okay. Um, and so, but Donish and I were in, we made these little uh, bands. We had, we're in this band called Climax of Insanity. Um, and uh, it was just a death metal band. We were, awesome. it was, it was like, pre, like pregent, like breakdown music. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so um, he happened to know a couple of guys who played bass and keyboard and we're like, okay, cool. And then we found this book. And so my cousin Clinton knew a vocalist. And so bam, all of a sudden uh, a prog band that I, I was the de facto leader because I was putting together. I was the, old, yeah. I was the, the, uh, so I had, it was me, the oldest, the junior, Ben and Dustin on uh, uh, bass and keyboard respectively, and then Clinton and Chris. Uh, and I was like, all right, we're going to play Battle of the Bands and we're going to play Pull Me Under. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, we went under, we played this cut down version of it because we were only given like four or five minutes of stage. Yeah. That's an eight minute song. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised we, we, you got that long. Yeah. Um, so usually I think they try to keep it at like what? Yeah. Like two minutes? Two, two minutes? Two minutes? No, dude. Yeah. Like, my senior year, they were like, oh, you're given six. Really? Yeah. I think because there were so few bands. Okay. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, but, when, uh, when we were there, like, time. the Battle of the Bands, like, that was, like, you only had, like, maybe three minutes to go through a, a And they would flash the oh. sign. Yeah. It's like, it's like... One minute left. Yeah. 30 yeah. seconds left. Yeah, well, it's like, it's like, you know, yeah, like, one yeah. minute, Yeah, no, seconds, we, we went 10. up there, yeah, we went up there and played for four minutes and rocked it, and, and then, like, other bands played, like, two songs. What's going on here? Like, oh, they were given five or six minutes, and I was like, oh, that's lame. But anyway, we took second place. Yeah. Um, technically, and technically, um... It was technically first place because first place band actually cheated because the drummer, the guy I knew who I mentioned earlier, introduced my friends and I to drums. Yeah. He got a hold of a ticket roll and stuffed his band's ballot. They, he made that band like that week and like they just went up and played some song and he stuffed the ticket roll with like 50 tickets, which I don't know why the ticket counters didn't notice that because there were like 50 people there. Yeah. And I was like, how did you not like notice that like a bunch of strung together tickets were in this thing? (laughs) But so anyway, and so, um, yeah, we took second, uh, something I regret doing was, uh, firing the vocalist like immediately after we got off stage because, uh, so we had, we had like rehearsals every Friday night and he showed up buddy rich chill out. Well, so there's, I, it was justified at the time. (laughs) Okay. Um, is it, is it PG? Yes. Okay. Uh, And then go for it. So, (laughs) yeah. So, um, he, he showed up maybe to a quarter of all the rehearsals we had. Um, he showed up, uh, uh, not ready to perform exactly. And okay. he, and he forgot the words on like halfway through the song. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I'm not gonna say his full name because he's, he's a great vocalist and, and he plays trumpet too. And he's, he's, you know, he's a great guy. But, uh, at the time I was like, I'm not going to let this freshman like make an embarrassment out of it. Mm-hmm. Cause at the time I didn't know we were going to take second place. I was yeah. like, I thought we went up there and bombed cause I didn't even have any monitors. I thought it was, I was up there like just pissed the whole time. Yeah. Cause I it's, was like, it's always worse. Yeah. It's always better than you think it went. Like, exactly. Yeah. And so like, all, of sudden, stage all of a sudden they were like second place Helios. And I was like, oh, oh, well, Ooh. 
Oh man, well I feel bad for firing the kid. No, I was I gotta like, get rid of this I was, guy. Yeah, I was like, well, I I already did. I went up to oh. him. He like slunk away because he before like, they announced like, the before winner. Before they announced the winner, I as soon as we were off stage in the second band, I found him like hiding somewhere in the bleachers, and I was like, hey, like, uh, what happened up there? And he's like, oh yeah, I kind of messed up. I'm like, yeah, you messed it up pretty bad, and I just walked away because wow. I was I was not like I was not mature. Um, I would have been like, "Hey, man, like, nice job up there." Like now, I'd be like, "Hey, man, yeah. like, you know what happens? Like, let's see what happens, and and, yeah. and you know, let's like." I also would have recorded it, uh, you know, now, but, um, but yeah, there's only there's only pictures, and then so, uh, uh, us four, we kind of you know, we got a different vocalist for the next year. We played another Dream Theater song, got like third place next year, but the van the the band slowly dissolved because. You know, the keyboard player just, he wasn't, didn't really want to be a musician, but he could play a decent keyboard. He had like yeah. a $3,000 Nord stage, oh, wow. but he just didn't want to do it, I guess. Um, and so well, anyway, so, um, but during college, um, I also joined a death metal band. We went on to record uh, uh, four songs that are actually still up on a, on a band camp page. Uh, the band is called Obsolescence. Um, that band is a, is a long story too, but uh, I was in the band for a couple of years before, until it kind of broke apart. Um, but during all this time of me being in all these other bands, Rick and David and I were were getting together during you know summer break, spring break, winter break, whenever we could, just to jam. And uh, we would record these jams on a flip camera. And so a lot of those jams, we ended up uh, listening back to those jams and transcribing cool parts and arranging them and... Uh, and turning them into songs, and these songs would eventually become what are currently the Player Blue demos on our SoundCloud. Um, and spe- and so yeah, it's, you know some of the, some of those songs are like the the origin material are like seven yeah. years old, even wow. though the bands only That's existed crazy. for five, you know, or more than that. Yeah. Um, one of the, uh, the song that a lot of people know is the this song Arata, um, and like the original like riff for one of those songs. It's like it's like almost like a like a ten year old riff almost. Um, wow. That would just over time, and we didn't because at, at the time it was this yeah. very like sporadic, intermittent like, hey, let's just write some music and mm-hmm. just jam together. And we always had this plan that when I graduated college, we were just going to hit the ground running, and we wanted to do that with like a bunch of songs we had already had written. And so we had uh, I don't know five or six or seven demos that we were working around with, and we just like you know at the time we were like okay. Um, Rick and I actually used to split lead vocals. Um, we, uh, at, like during the songs too, like I would sing a verse and then he would sing the pre-chorus and we would sing okay. the chorus together. That's kind of how it worked. Or like yeah. Rick would do leads on one song. I would do leads on another cause we weren't very good. We couldn't sing a 45 minute set. So why don't we just split it in half? Yeah. Um, now because of, uh, foot bass copyright, uh, bass. We, I do all the lead <laughs> yeah, vocals that's, now. That's a crazy um, thing but, too. But yeah, so, ev- so eventually, um, after I would say from 2015 till 20, so for a couple of years only actually uh, was when we had David in the band, and eventually things just weren't working out with David. Um, and this was also during the time we had the good old rehearsal space. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was I was very fortunate to um, kind of be like in the the like midst of you guys when you were like really starting to like mm-hmm. do stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. You were um, there for a recording yeah. session. We so, did. Yeah. I, um, I helped out uh, record that that session and that that one to like two or three a.m mm-hmm. which was yeah. ridiculous yeah. and like it started at like three or four p.m well until about two a.m yeah and, um but it was still it was like it was awesome to see like and you guys had like a really good vibe like when you guys played like well because well, at the time like rick and david and i together like we we could jam and play together like nobody's business when yeah. when, when there was no well, pressure course, like because yeah. we at that point what was it 2016 at that point uh, we had been 
that was tw- 15 or 16. Well, that specific recording session oh, you're mentioning yes. was February or March of 2016. Yep. At that point, Rick and David and I had been playing together for eight years. Yeah. Um, so we had been a band technically for a long time. We kind of knew how each other worked. We kind of, if I was hitting a fill and starting to slow down, they knew, they could hear it immediately yeah. or something like that. Yeah, that or, chemistry. You know, yeah, just... we, had, we had that bad chemistry just yeah. happening and, and still do um, as, as people. We still hang out and talk and we're still great friends. Um, and everything and, and still go get some, you know, Korean barbecue. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but we just, as, as musicians eventually, cause back in high school and early college, it was like, Hey, let's be in this like proggy ish, like groove metal band. Let's yeah. make, let's make like rush meets Pantera type music. Um, but eventually Rick and I started getting really into, uh, 70s prog, longer songs, odd time signatures. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I started getting really into like orchestral music, wind ensemble music. Rick was getting really into like uh, piano solo type music. And David was like, I, I like Pantera and Damage Plan and Sega Genesis music. Like, I don't want to <laughs> play, I don't want to play this. I don't want to play in 13 8. Yeah. I want to play in 4 yeah. 4 and just be, you know, like super cool. Um, <laughs> and, and not that he only wanted to, but like, yeah. it was just like, we want to write a 10 minute song and he didn't. And yeah. so at the, eventually it was like, hey, this isn't going to work. And so. Um, yeah, but we're still good friends and everything. So now, uh, so that was 2017, um, about, about exactly three years ago. And so, um, eventually, uh, the, we lost the rehearsal space. Rick and I moved into a house together, uh, to continue trying to be a band. Yeah. We were, uh, uh, we were, um, actually going back a little bit to the vocal thing. Uh, originally learning vocals for Rick and I was really only a means to an end to get out there and play gigs and make some demos so we could find a lead vocalist mm-hmm. but the better i got at vocals the more i seemed better in comparison to people we were auditioning yeah and eventually i was like why don't i just i'll just keep doing it there's no reason to waste our time plus um, that's like whatever you make for the gig that's a one last person it, that you have to pay yeah for, that's true you, know, let, that you have to give money to. it's easier logistically speaking i was like let, what, let me just do it that and too then just figure it out um, but then it comes to 2017 where we've, we auditioned, um, I don't know, half a dozen bass players or something. And it just really wasn't working out with a lot of them. Yeah. It, Cause the thing about, um, all player blue music and going all the way back to, uh, the, the goofy high school days, every note we're playing in our songs is written out and none of it is like, Hey, let's just, okay. Then there's riff a, and then riff C and then metal riff one. It's like, no, it's, it's all in guitar pro five. It's written there. Like. I know you messed up that note because it's right there. That's what you wrote. That's yeah. what we collabed on. Um, and the EP we're writing right now, like every single note and dynamic and transition, it's all written out. And it always has been. We, I, I thank Guitar Pro 5 EP, for like... EP, huh? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'll get to that. Hold on. Hmm. I'm trying to go in chronological We'll, we'll do some questions um, for you for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a whole that thing in itself. But um, so for a year, basically about a year, Rick and I weren't really doing much band wise aside from like trying to find a bass player and yeah. and, and just kind of like uh after four or five six guys it was like man you know we just can't find the right guy who's like around our age lives in the area at, um, our age meaning like at least 21 yeah mm-hmm. all the shows we play are 21 and up um uh you know just owns a five string preferably so we can play the song yeah. we want maybe mm-hmm. is interested in backup vocals knows how to read notes because all of our music is on notes it's, it's written like, yeah. you know exactly and it's very intricate and has a technical facility to play the things because we write music um like we, we refer to the bass playing in player blue as like playing lead bass 
where it's like it's not just playing root notes it's like no you're playing it's like, like melodic pl- it's melodic yeah. it's it's much more involved you're playing rhythmic unison with me a bunch of times like it's pretty involved and you really have to have the technical facility to play that stuff um and so eventually rick discovered this uh this little uh, device um yeah this um, is when you guys got crazy i don't yeah. know what you guys were thinking at this <laughs> yeah. point but um, you're just like yeah we'll just do this thing well, yeah so so rick discovered a little thing uh from i think it's keith mcmullen uh instruments has this midi device it's a little rectangle um and it's it's uh a series of buttons that are organized like a piano it's a basically a, a midi control instrument uh called um i don't know what it was called we just call it the foot bass yeah so basically uh rick's rig now is um it's, he actually has two of these now and he had a, a student of his um custom cut out of wood and make this like uh receptacle for these two things it's basically each of these these things are um they're one octave uh keyboard foot activated like keyboard controllers mm-hmm. um and he has two of them and what he's doing is he's running this midi controller through his laptop to basically play bass lines with his foot um foot and we, bass. we call that foot, foot bass. bass and so uh eventually uh, so that's that's fast forwarding to 2019 where he's like all right finally after the the last bass player we auditioned it just didn't work out with him we were like okay let's try the foot bass thing and so he just started doing it and doing it and doing it. Eventually, he was like having like neck problems from staring at his feet all the time. And we're like, all right, only do two or three hours a day. You know, he was doing it just crazy. And so uh, we, we couldn't play a lot of the player blue material because it has very involved bass and he's not going to sit on a stool and play with two feet. Yeah. Um, but uh, so we started incorporating a lot more covers into our, into our, into our stuff. But at the time, we were like, okay, let's let's write the music that will be on our eventual ep um yeah. and and play all these cover songs we're playing the, the, some of the usual songs like te- technical difficulties stone cold crazy by queen we love opening up with that we play uh you know scarified we're ending our set with whiplash by metallica okay. uh one more red nightmare by king crimson mm-hmm. uh some uh half of natural science by rush um all these tunes and we, we threw in a couple of originals uh, we were playing Arata and Incantation, the player blues songs in our set. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, and I joke on stage, I'm like, all right, give it up for the only guy who plays Guitar Hero and DDR at the same time, Rick. <laughs> um, so basically, Rick is over, um, you know, he's playing guitar and foot bass at the same time, wherein I'm drumming and singing at yeah, the same time. Yeah, I was going to say, you kind of um, solve the problems both ways. Yeah. It's like, we can't find a singer, I'll just sing. We can't find a bass player, I'll just, I'll just play, bass, play foot yeah. bass. And ev- eventually I was like, why don't you just sit down and do this? But he need, he has to stand because he needs like, the buttons are kind of hard to push, so you have to like wear shoes and put some like, weight into it. Yeah. So he has to stand for a 45-minute set. He's standing on one leg pressing buttons while he's like playing a guitar solo. Um, and believe me, he put in a lot of hours um, and I was like, man, how do you do that? But then, but then like people are asking me like, how do you sing and play drums? I'm like, well, I, mean, I guess it's kind of the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, one, one goes kind of go so, like in autopilot. Yeah. And you're... so, and so 20, early 2019, we were, we were just rehearsing like crazy doing all this and that. And then eventually, um, uh, I think I can't remember what our first show was. I think it was an independence tap in Chicago was our first show back on the circuit as player blue. Good old, uh, Richard Flabby Hoffman of the, of the Flabby Hoffman extraordinarium, uh, he uh he's a local um uh kind of um well he books venues for for bands it's yeah. it's 
and he's he's an awesome guy. He actually has his own radio show on Saturdays around this time. Nice. Um, so he's he's a goofy character. He has his uh, he recently purchased um, property in Chicago uh, to have um, it's like this really esoteric type place that's also like a mini golf course and like a stage. It's this really a crazy place. Um, you guys should should check it out. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But so. yeah. So anyway, so we we hit we we hit. Uh, the 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 circuit once again in the Chicago area after having gigged with David for a couple of years, uh, we played about twenty shows with David, um, and it really wasn't doing that much for us. Uh, we were we got maybe two hundred and forty two hundred fifty likes on Facebook. We were trying really hard to promote our stuff, uh, and you know it's it's we had some off demos, but I really couldn't sing that well yet, and uh, and it just like everyone was like yeah like you know. We, we couldn't we didn't have that much draw to shows and and everyone was saying like you know your studio stuff sounds like not even close to as good as you guys sound live and eventually it was like yeah. well, we got to do something about that we need we need better demos and it kind of all it's all cumulative it just builds on itself it's like we need we need better everything we uh you know rick and david and i having having not really liked social media for many years like yep. we were not good at social media yeah we were bad with promoting we didn't know how it worked really you know what the heck is instagram i don't want to do this it's for hipsters and it's like well i guess you know i guess i have to do you it you have to yeah um, it's that's it's that that yeah. that thing you know that we that we talked about it's like those connections and and yeah. doing uh-huh. those that promoting. networking we were like yeah we, we're all like you know our original mentality was okay let's get some gigs and then we'll get a vocalist and then we'll get more popular and then we'll eventually be able to just hire somebody to do that for us and that's mm-hmm. not how it yes. works yeah we were not you know uh at the time it's like we didn't have friends who could do that you know i it, basically i run our social media and that's and the networking and because mo- yeah. most of the shows were because i was like all right i'm gonna just gonna be in charge of networking i'm just gonna throw myself at it um, so speaking so, of all that networking stuff um where where can they find like your stuff at so okay, that's a good very good <laughs> question uh so uh you can do you can follow us on you know on youtube um player blue band most of the stuff is actually player blue band um, so soundcloud.com slash player blue band, facebook.com player blue band. Um, we're on Twitch also twitch.tv slash player blue band. Uh, I haven't streamed that much in the last couple months because I was going to stream, uh, us recording the EP, but eventually it just became this big hassle to do both things at mm-hmm. the same time. Yeah. So, uh, I tried to, and then eventually it was like Twitch is you, you can't be entertaining and also focused on recording at the same time. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's it just too much of a burden for me at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna take a break from that for a while. But, uh, you know, um, we also have a Teespring store, Interesting. Um, which, uh, I don't know the link off the top of my head, but yeah, it's there. Good we're good. all, we all got a different player blue shirt yeah. on today. <laughs> Thanks for the purchase guys. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we have a play you can, uh, and every, if you go on our Facebook or our Twitch or whatever, there'll be links to everything else yeah. that are on there. Um, and these so yeah. sh- these shirts are like really soft. Very I, comfy. I got the yeah. premium yeah. tee, yeah. and it's like and it's nice. I, I tried to set our prices like as low as I possibly could. Um, like I'm like the the default price for a shirt is like twenty five bucks. I set it down to like fifteen. Like I only make like two bucks a shirt, and tees because she springs charge like a manufacturing and shipping fee. Yeah, I have like thirteen. I'm like, I right, just set it at fifteen, as low as I can go. Like I would rather have you guys like have the shirt and me not make that much than me yeah. ha- like you not buying it because yeah. like I want more money. Like uh-huh. I don't, 
I have a job, you know, the, whatever. Making yeah. money isn't the main <laughs> yeah, no, the purpose I, I, of... Right now, I'm like, yeah. I just, I would love to see more people just... I would love... If so, if somebody I didn't know was walking down the street wearing a player blue that's shirt, like, that would make my day. It. I would yeah. be like, this guy, like, like, hey, man, that shirt. <laughs> I'm going to plant some, you, I'm gonna uh, plant somebody next yeah, time you go the, somewhere. I know the drummer for that band. He's pretty cool. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not like they're not going to know who he is. Yeah, I mean, they have the point, shirt. Yeah. Like, so... You guys have been like doing stuff for a really long time, from what it seems like. Rick, Rick and I specifically, yeah, yeah you know, a long time. Obviously, you're your brothers, so it's you know, it's yeah, bound to happen. Yeah. We, yeah, we we we've been in a band. We've been playing together for for as long for 13 years. Yeah. We've been living together for three, uh, and we've you know well, probably longer and, than that. Well, before that, <laughs> yeah. obviously. Um, yeah, I've known I've known the guy for a few years. Yeah, okay, just say one or two. Um, you know, I've known him since day one, you know. So. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So we'd like to take a, a second here um, to, you know, promote our sponsors. Um, we'd like to thank the H. So thankful. <sighs> Keeping us hydrated every episode. Yep. Where's the caffeine, man? It's in the H. I need my fix, man. So that's why that's why we love the H so much. Oh yeah, because it, it keeps not only like does it keep us hydrated and, and going throughout you know the whole podcast. Um, it also it wakes us up too when we're we're sitting here. You know these bright lights get yeah kind of like eyes get tired. Yeah, fluorescent lighting. Yeah, yeah. so you know just a, but the H a, a is good, keeping us going. Yep. So thank you to the we H. could wear three D glasses. <laughs> No Maybe man, we'll do that we don't. We don't time. need 3D glasses. That's we, true. We got the we H. Got the H. <laughs> That's it. The H is our 3D glasses. So, um, we've heard a bit about your uh, your band, Player Blue, mm-hmm. and sort of tangentially about your uh, your drum set. But <laughs> would you like to go uh, more in depth about what your setup looks like? What your Give what up, you're rocking yeah. on, like, on the gig, what so, you're rocking uh, on I'm, the EP. I'm currently rocking a combustion engine. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the Big Blue Monster. So um, currently I'm using a Stock Classic Performer Birch Bubinga kit, which uh, I ordered in 2018. And then, uh, you know, it took six months to make. It's made to order because I ordered very specific sizes in a very mm. specific configuration that you couldn't just go to Guitar Center and buy. Uh, so currently, it's two 24 by 16 inch kick drums, which are um, much larger than I've ever used. Most of the time, I use 22 by 18s. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, here classic. most most people use the 22. Uh, I decided to go shallower uh, but larger because I was really digging um, like the early Mike Portnoy kits. Simon Phillips does a 24 by 15. I got mm-hmm. really into him recently. Um, the I'm using um, 10 toms. Uh, they're wow. four, four concert toms, uh, six by five, eight by six, ten by six and a half, and twelve by seven. Uh, the six inch tom is actually one of those new Tama like concert series. It's a maple drum. Okay. Um, it's a cute little tom. It's, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> uh, and then rack toms, ten by eight, twelve by nine, thirteen by ten, fourteen by eleven, and then sixteen by fourteen, eighteen by sixteen floor toms with a matching uh, fourteen by five and a half snare. Uh, it's all in the, with the exception of the six, it's in the smoky indigo burst finish. Um, and, uh, yeah, but you have, you have the six in the matching. No, don't do you? I not? wish. No, they, it only comes in like a, uh, high gloss, uh, 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 lacquer black finish. So, so 
Tell us a little bit about that wood. That wood is is not just weirdly so, named. Oh yeah, it's, there's, it's also a, special. there's a story so, about so, this. Bubinga. Um, Bubinga. I, yeah, the, yeah. The reason behind Bubinga is why I need. I, I probably shouldn't travel internationally with this drum set. Um, <laughs> so in 2018, uh, the uh, the basically there were a bunch of environmental protections put on Bubinga. Bubinga is basically like an. It was described to me as an African mahogany equivalent. Um, so they were, they eventually, cl- they classified it as essentially an endangered wood. So Tama decided to just discontinue in 2018, the star classic birch bubinga line. Um, and they're, and they're, they're, I think they're not allowed to, I, I'm trying to remember if I have the right information, either they're, they cut, uh, um, the harvesting of it significantly, or they've just halted it altogether. Um, but basically, Tama is using all of its remaining Bubinga reserves for the Star Bubinga line, um, as far as I know. Or maybe they're just mm-hmm. not allowed. They're, they're only allowed so much, and they're like, well, let's just leave it for the, the SLP and the Star Bubinga yeah. line. Um, so I would say three or four months into me having ordered this kit, um, I found out they were discontinuing it. And I was like, no, uh, because every drum that I had ever purchased ever was discontinued swiftly after me purchasing it. Wow. Um, back in high school, That's like the, the Huey's curse or it's, something. It's a curse. Every, everything <laughs> I ever own is discontinued. Um, so because uh, back in high school, I was using the Sonar Force 3007 kit. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, back in high school, you know, your broke high school, I was buying one Tom at a time. Yep. So I got the 10, and then the 12, and then the 8, and then in 2011, they discontinued them. Eventually in college, I managed to complete the whole kit with the 222s, uh, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, um, and then found a guy who had a five-piece kit with a 24 with a snare, 12 13 16 which i bought from him mm. um and then i bought like another 10 inch tom so i have way too many of these 3007s they're in this very pretty red lacquer finish um and then i had like the bearing edges recut but so anyway this birch babinga line they discontinued them uh but luckily tama has this like unspoken of thing where if they discontinue a line you can still like special order it uh for like a year so I I managed to snag up an a, a, an eight by seven and a thirteen by ten. Okay. Um, I'm currently not using the eight by seven because I got the thirteen. So I'm doing like the Simon Phillips style four big rack toms up front, and then I've got the concert toms and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a big big drum set. So all of the double headed toms, I'm using clear diplomats on the bottom. I'm using the Emperor blue color tones on top. They sound really good. Um, on the concert toms, I've got um the color tones as well on the six i had to use a blue emperor crimp lock because mm. at the time when i got it they didn't have the regular now they do they didn't have six inch oh, emperor okay. color tone so i got i put a marching head on it nice um which must be why it's lasted so long um and uh on the kick drums i'm using the blue color tone um power stroke three resonant head mm. which uh, i'll get to in a, a second um i'm in the batter heads i'm using uh just clear power stroke four uh that i rolled a towel up into um, kind of Simon Phillips. I got really into yeah. Simon Phillips in the last couple of years when I saw the Hiromi Trio live. Okay. And uh, you guys should definitely check out the Hiromi Trio. Will do. Um, it's just, it's a great, it's a, it's a, like, it's a jazz fusion super group and it's amazing. Um, I got to see them live at Space in Evanston. Oh, I love and, that uh, venue. Space yeah, is awesome. It, and it's so awesome. And it's, like, you're just, you're 20 feet away from Simon Phillips as he oh, yeah. clank bonks and bonks on his octobombs okay. and they sound awesome. Um, also, yeah, during this time when I got the Star Classic Bubinga kit, I uh, purchased also uh, both sets of um, Tama Octobons, um, high and low pitched. 
Now, these are probably some of the oldest pieces of gear I have because I'm because based on the lugs that are on them. So when I bought them used in 2018, uh, the guy said he bought them used from somebody 25 years prior. Um, wow. So they are, these are probably, uh, this set of Octobonds are probably from the 80s. Uh, and they, and what I did was I put six-inch chrome starfire heads on them, <laughs> which are, um, they look kind of crazy because they're mirror chrome. Yeah. But they're, they're uh, one-ply 12-mil heads, so they're, a little, they're thicker than an ambassador, and they sound, they, they sound loud, they sound really cool. Um, but I wasn't using them like most people do where they have it on the left side and they play thunk, 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 thunk mm-hmm. over here. I was using them a la kind of like the 1980s Bill Bruford style where he had them almost like where his ride would be and he would okay. play like ride patterns on the octobons. Cool. And, and they sound super cool. If you check, check out like, um, uh, King Crimson, uh, uh, on the three of a perfect pair tour, there's like a 90 minute concert on YouTube of mm-hmm. them playing with, uh, Bill Bruford. He's, he's, uh, He's got like this acoustic electric hybrid kit with a bunch of octobons and a bunch of drum pads behind nice. him, and he played. It's super cool. Um, I actually took them down recently in, in exchange. Instead of the Avnet octobons, I have um, a stack and a second hi hat, just because I use those more. But eventually, yeah. I would love to have those just yeah. on my kit regularly. But they're they're you know they're super heavy and yeah. cumbersome, and I just. I, I wasn't using them in any of the songs on the Player Blue EP, so I was like, I'm not going to have these on, and I'm not, not using, I'm not just not using them for anything at the moment. So I just, I figured I just wouldn't have them on. But so that's my kit, and then for my snare, um, I'm using just a Diplomat snare side on the bottom uh, with the stock Tama wires. I was using Pearson bronze wires for a while, but I stopped because the I think they were just a little too dry. Uh, and then the Powerstroke 77 color tone top. So there's very uh, a <laughs> theme of blue going on at the moment <laughs> huh, um, i wonder why with this, with this kit um <laughs> which uh which is fine um I, I was actually considering recently going back to uh the ambassador bottoms and single ply top heads because for on my sonar kit i was doing the clear cons- controlled sound black dot heads which uh were great and and i don't know i i kind of am thinking like you know, these color tones are the, uh, the originally when I got the kit, I was just using clear emperors. The color tones are the same thing. I, I, some people say, oh, the dye like changes the sound or something mm-hmm. maybe, but I, I've, I've not noticed a difference it's, at yeah. all. It's some of that exact stuff I'm thing. like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, it yeah. changes the sound. Well, yeah. what's really like, the difference? Like, like <laughs> I, you know, I put, I've been using uh, the tune dots. What I yeah. do is I take a razor blade and cut them into halves and quarters. Um, Cause one tune dot on a 10 inch Tom is a little too much surface. It's too dead. So I cut them into, I just put one little quarter of it, um, quarter circle on the 10, yep. you know, a, a quarter circle on the 12, two on the 13, two on the 14, uh, you know, a half and a quarter on the 16 and then two halves in the 18 or whatever. Um, cause the 18 is just like, it, it, it s- solid sustain for like oh, 10 yeah. seconds on that thing. Yeah. And like I got to dampen it a little bit. Um, cause that's what I'm trying to do is I love the tone. But I'm not trying to dampen the tone. I'm trying to dampen sustain. Yeah. And I'm trying to do that without dampening the tone. Yep. Um. So what's your uh, uh, what's your samples look like? They are all Sabian. I'm a huge Sabian fan. I used to be Zildjian back in high school when I was really into like Lars Ulrich. I was like, I, f- I feel I like want... a lot of people are. Yeah. When like... you first, because it's the everybody. If you're not a drummer, you know what Zildjian is. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know, but uh, eventually I got really into Sabian because. I just like it better. But uh, back in then, I was like, I want a full set of Z customs, you know, just thick, mm. big symbols. And Oof. eventually, I was like, this is, I need to hit these things with tree trunks to yeah. get them to sound right. 
And uh, eventually I really got into it because I started having uh, a little more finesse to my technique and I was starting to get into like the swiping technique and, uh, you know, I'm using, uh, all my crashes are super thin. I'm using uh, two evolutions, a 17 and an 18, 18 uh, 18-inch AX explosion fast crash and a 16-inch AX recording crash. That's a thin, the other ones are super thin. You can practically bend them in half. Um, but my uh, AAX 18, I've had it right here, right for my with my right hand. I've been uh, playing it right in that spot for probably about 10 years now. Um, I'm using uh, something different. I'm using 13-inch hi-hats, which I, I've been doing the last couple of years because uh, it's just kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, whatever. So um, get I'm the using 15-inch uh, hi-hats. Uh, <laughs> this sloppy. Just stick sloppy with the standard 14. No. Well, the, so the guys. thing is, um, I, I like to. So I'm weird. using I'm using the AAX accelerator bottom with the studio hat top, um, and uh, I think uh, that thicker bottom with the accelerator, the waved edge gives me uh, nice crispiness to it despite being 13s and yeah. it's, it's nice and bright still um i don't really need to go into all the models that i use but i do use a, a, some prototype splashes and stuff um i'm using as as i have been since uh since 2011 early 2011 my trusty 22 inch 22 inch ax omni um which is a great little symbol um how many symbols you got all together then uh currently on i have a lot more that aren't on the kit but currently yeah. there's what you're playing I can actually I put the music uh, in. Okay, uh, <laughs> I've got. I, I'm trying to remember all of them off the top of my head. If you count a stack, of, I don't know. There's probably 15 or 16. All right. Still got your um, Omni Ride. Yeah, of course, of course. That's like the one symbol that I would consider changing my setup for, or yeah. to like go around is the Omni Ride. I, yeah. I, just, I just love well, it's. So I, lately I've been using the uh, Vic Firth Bozio Phase 1 sticks, okay. which are a little top-heavy, but they've got this nice enlarged reverse acorn tip, which makes my toms sound absolutely massive, especially on the 18. Uh-huh. Um, but on the hi-hat, they sound okay. On the ride, unfortunately, it's a little clanky. Okay. Um, just a yeah. little bit. Like when you're playing in a band, it, you don't hear it, but if you're playing by yourself and you're not recording anything, it's a little clanky. Um, I wish... I, I, maybe I should use like one Bozio Phase One and one like Peter Erskine ride stick or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, there you go. Because that's like my ideal ride sound <laughs> is like a five A or the Erskine ride stick. Um, but it sound like for a while actually I was using uh, whether I was playing jazz or death metal, I was yeah. using the Erskine ride stick. But uh, but yeah, and then um, you know my nice trusty rock and sock throne that I've been yep. uh, rubbing you know my butt with for the last twelve years or so. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I, rock I sit sock, super high and everything. I'm using. Uh, I I really you know, only just recently. Like you like started using the rock and sock. I think maybe within the last like two it's great. years. It's awesome. Yeah, it re- it really is like you know after twelve years, like the like the the uh, that blue fabric or gray or whatever fabric is like starting to pull off a little bit. But it's like I've been how many thousands of hours have yeah, I been like right? playing with that thing like gigging and, and it's and still comfortable. Yeah, yeah, throwing it around to gigs like it's 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 not ripped at all. It's just like it's delaminating Starting from the cushion. Starting to sound like an ad for um, rock and stuff. Uh, I mean, it's it really is. And then no it's, paid uh, you know, exactly. Yeah, I'm, placement. I'm a, yeah, it's you, great. Yeah, you're, and you're using the same one. I, I think yeah, with the uh, uh, the swivel. It's got the the um, rod, the yeah, yeah, swivel, yeah, rod. yeah, the swivel, yeah. yeah. I have mine practically like maxed out, yeah, because um, I sit nice. really high. I actually um, just recently lowered it like quite a bit, 
Mm-hmm. Like literally yesterday. I actually probably sit a little bit higher when, than this. Yeah, when I when I do, I don't always. When I sit at my my big kit, I sit that high. When I play, when I sit at any other kit, I sit low, and I yeah. have no problem playing yeah. sitting low. Um, I, I some, you know, when thing. I play you with KB beats or whatever, I sit low. Yeah, you, you shouldn't know, like get or too used to one yeah, like exactly. sort of setup. Yeah. I guess because yeah. you never know what sort of situation um, basically, you'll be. Yeah, if in. I'm playing the big Tama kit, I'm sitting high. If I'm sitting, if I'm using one, if I'm doing anything else, I'm sitting low and it's yeah. fine. And then I, I do what I used to do in high school where everything was super low and close together. But then <laughs> with the big kit, everything's like super close together, but there's a lot of it and it's all spaced out. My yeah. symbols are in the stratosphere. And everything. Yeah, they're like, you know, they're up here. Heaven, well, heaven symbols. So, and so, well, so the reason for that is, um, is half because I wanted my kit to look like Mike Portnoy's. But secondly, <laughs> I started the raising reason. them more because when I started doing vocals more, I wanted people to see me and I wanted see people to see face. them and I wanted to yeah. see the, the stage and everything. So I was like, why don't I just keep my toms down here so he's and like, my cymbals up here. He's drumming you here. And the, he's like, there's a good like, th- like for my 12 and 13 up front, there's a good like three feet, two and a half or three feet not of clearance between, feet. between you, the tom and the cymbal because like, get... I want to be able to see out. I want to be able to make... <laughs> But also the thing is like I can either lower them really far, but then they're gonna like smack the toms or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But like if I wanted them to be like right here, well then I can't make eye contact with the other people on stage, which is important. I need you know I need to be able to see. You what's should going get on. the the Sugarfoot setup. The Michael Jackson's drummer has like two crashes oh, behind, behind him, him and, he, like, and he's like Foom. yeah it's so yeah. goofy oh, I, don't, man. I don't i i don't think a bar would like me to bring in like a cage rack <laughs> right. like from the 1980s i don't think they they would 360 like kit yeah exactly yeah no not um, not yet <laughs> maybe one day now that we've sort of um talked about your player blue experience your uh your setup uh we wanted to sort of wrap things up uh on a on a little light and and fun note we have some interesting questions Mm -hmm. to pose um i found this one that might uh yield some cool results and i guess this is for us too yeah Um, so we'll 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 all answer them just like a brief brief answer i have no idea what the questions are you have no idea what the questions are okay he's just picking them right now so Mm -hmm. this is not pre-planned okay (laughs) so just kind of fun little thing um, if you could choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would you choose and why? Oof. This doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite song, just whatever like your entrance into a room song would be. Do you go with like a standard like It would be the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin intro music? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um just glass break. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, yeah. No, um I don't know. Off the top of my head, the first song that came to mind is this song called um, Heads Up by the Dave Weckl Band. Okay. It's this cool, groovy little funk, funk tune that, that I, 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 when I first heard it, I was like, this sounds like uh, it would be like the, the intro music for like a VHS copy of like a Pace Bus training video. <laughs> um, like, That's like, great. like if you sat down on your day one and like, all right, we're going to play this VHS tape. And it's like, but it's like perfect walking tempo. It's like, it's just, you're walking in, you're strolling in just all cool. Like, all right, what's going on guys? What are we doing? And then just this cool funk. Like that would, that would be it. Probably a similar vibe. I'd, I'd have to go with something like higher ground by Stevie wonder. Um, with like you know the the 
the cla- the shuffly clav line, the yeah. just sort of again perfect sort of walking tempo. Yeah. Just sort of that's 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 what my I'm going my way I'm going be. way off all that stuff. Okay. Here comes the boom. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Just okay, like okay. right on the downbeat, you're, you're boom! You're, gonna, you're a 2004 action movie. Yeah, you open the door, <laughs> and it has to be in slow mo. Like every time I walk into a room, and, then, and like Jason Statham tackles you. Yeah, that's the movie too. You know, or uh, Vin Jason Diesel. Statham. Vin Diesel drives through the wall, or another you know? bald actor. Yeah, or uh, or uh, Bruce Dwayne Willis Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this isn't really like a personal. I just thought it was funny. How many windows are in New York? Windows? How many windows do you think are in New York? I'm gonna look up the actual answer. I don't know. What would you say? Like, okay, wait. Are we saying within the city of New York or like? I'm gu- I'm gonna guess the city, just not like, the like state. New just York like, proper. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, probably like four million trillion billion. It's <laughs> a good guess. <laughs> Thanks. Twenty octillion. No, no. Uh, uh, I'm gonna guess like six hundred thousand. That's it. You think six hundred thousand windows? Is there an answer for it? I'm I'm looking right now. That who keeps track of that? Six hundred thousand. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's do they do they, do they okay. update that number every time a brick so goes a window? Here's uh, Domini Onifade on Quora, going on the assumption that there are approximately nine million people in New York. Considering its high density, I'd assume around sixty percent of the population live in flats. And 40% live in houses. Flats oh. are much smaller, uh, have less windows, blah, blah, blah. Houses are larger. Houses on average have about nine windows, which gives us 8.1 million windows. Well, way just for people who live in houses. I figured just, they lived that's in, just for houses. I figured they lived in one-window apartments. Whilst flats on average have six, which gives <laughs> Just 6. one little glass 2. block. <laughs> like uh, a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So let's see. In terms of housing, that's twenty four point three million windows. That's a lot. And is th- this the state? I don't know. Who knows? That Whatever. there's still a lot. Like it's a lot. The answer is there's a lot. Well, I mean, just think like all of the building, the tall buildings, skyscrapers. Well, I think they were going on to include like cars and buses and stuff because they have windows. Oh, the skyscrapers. Yeah, the skyscrapers. Um. Yeah, a lot of a lot of windows. Um, let's see. If you could compare yourself to an animal, what would it be and why? Okay, I'll simple I'll simple that. So what's your spirit animal? Go. I feel like you're like a a wallaby or something or a wombat. A wallaby. Can you determine your own spirit animal or does it have to be yeah, like don't I have someone to else some, like, has to tell you what your spirit some, animal like, is? Like Facebook goofy quiz yeah. in order to learn yep. what that is or? yeah buzzfeed <laughs> no which, like what's like your spirit animal no what like yeah like what would you think like if you, um, if you could just pick any animal like what would it be i i don't know a lot of people have said lion because not just because of the hair but like the lion you know, brian I, I, <laughs> um that's what we called you last episode really <laughs> <laughs> people are gonna think you're saying like l-y-i-n-g lion, like, lion yeah. brian he's lion um, brian everything L- in this L-I-O-N. episode has actually been false yeah <laughs> completely fabricated i'm yeah. not even a drummer i'm reading off a script um <laughs> There's a it's right there the teleprompter I, yeah i don't even know what a paradiddle is i don't just, yeah um it'd probably be a lion because uh it's it's usually like 
you know, I, yeah. nowadays I see myself more as a leader, um, kind of leading the pack, like in most of the bands I'm in, Interesting. um, I've been a leader figure, you know, teaching marching band. I've been like a leader, um, which I wasn't always, I, I struggled with myself and the environment to try to become that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably, you know, a lion. Are there any more like music related ones? I was gonna yeah. not really. I was, I was gonna briefly touch one. on the on the EP briefly, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. we can we can transition. Yeah, we can do that. Into that. Yeah, what's it? What is it called? What's your EP called? Tell us right now, <laughs> so, live on, on uh, the live, Drum Break podcast. We're not, we're not live. live. This is previously recorded. <laughs> um, the the EP is called Apprentice. Ooh, uh, we're going with Apprentice. a with say a, it one more time, but like called, really close to the mic. It's called. Apprentice. I'll put some effects uh, on that it. Is also <laughs> nice. the, that is also the title track of the EP, um, which is a song that um, was spawned from a bunch of things that I wrote uh, on uh, marimba and drum set. Um, and uh, yeah, songs? it's a... The, originally, there were six. Uh, one ended up being uh, cut because it just didn't really match the rest of the, the album, the EP technically, like thematically. Um, so it might be released as a single at some point. Um, and also I, th- I think for, for some reason, uh, Rick convinced me to, to keep it to five so we could market it as an EP. Cause with the sixth song, sixth song, um, based on how much material there was, it would have technically been an album. Uh, um, because currently we're only at five songs, which EPs are yeah. like yeah. five or less songs. Yeah. Um, but with like under 30 minutes of material, we have five songs with over 30 minutes of material, uh, because the title track is about nine and a half minutes long. Um, and, uh, another song is like eight and, you know, Prague. Yeah. Um, so currently, uh, I've all the drums recorded. Uh, Rick is currently recording the bass. He's actually like playing, he's not playing foot bass. He's like recording the bass. He's like learning and recording the bass as he nice. goes. He's playing the guitar. Uh, and then I got to do vocals intermittently here and there. Um, but yeah, so we're in the midst of recording it. Um, I believe I've finished all the drums. Some editing needs to be done. Um, I've also, uh, done all, I've done the artwork. Um, I'm collabing with, uh, a digital artist named Brad I'm working with. Um, it's, it's actually kind of a small production in a way because the only two outside, uh, uh, figures that are working with us on the project are the friend of ours named Matt, who's an audio tech, who's going to be mixing and mastering it. Um, and then the digital artist, Brad. And so the, the artwork, um, eventually I was going to, I actually have the completed, uh, outside and inside cover for the artwork on my phone and in a bunch of different places Ooh. um but uh it's is that it's, something that we're allowed to show uh i'm gonna post a, a thing okay. on facebook of it uh at so some point. go um, go check out player blues facebook yes. keep them updated like you know you yeah. want to see that keep i've, on, I've on seen the lookout. it i've seen it yeah and it's sick the have i shown you the artwork yeah you showed it to us a couple couple weeks ago oh yeah 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 I saw um, it and it was sick. It's, and you it's, definitely got to check it out. It's quite fantastic. Well, the, basically, the, the theme I was going for is so this began with a bunch of sketches I had done uh, almost a year ago, actually. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd done some sketching. I, I, did, I tried to put it on MS Paint. I did this and that. It was clip art. And I tried to make it, put it all together as much as I could because I'm not really an artist, but I, I know, yeah. you know, I took some drafting classes and I, I can I do little mm-hmm. this and that. Um, and so eventually I were working with this artist and, and, and Brad is super patient because I've given him, uh, it basically took us like six weeks to complete these two pieces of art. Um, and he would send me, you know, every two or three days he would send me an update and I would give him like a, a list of like, no, change this, change this, change this. Yeah. So it was just a constant back and forth. Um, but it ended up being something that I'm I, totally way better than I ever thought it was going to be. Um, and we're going to have this on, uh, 
we're, we're experimenting with the idea of um, we're going to have it on CD, a physical copy, uh, but I also um, want to do USB sticks um, because who has CD players anymore? But on a USB stick, everybody has a USB port on their Mac or their laptop or their computer or whatever. So that would be, in my opinion, like probably way easier to market towards people like yeah it's like it's our thing on usb but, but you can put more than just the music on the us yeah i would also want to have a p because it's also going to have it's going to be in that cardstock type um little thing you you pull I, there's going to be a booklet in there uh that you kind of unfold and it has pictures and the lyrics of all the songs in it um and on the usb stick i want to put a pdf version of that oh, uh, cool. of the booklet on there that nice. would be pretty cool so it'll be the five songs we're going to put our song incantation which is a demo um, which is the only song we've re- only original song we've recorded, kind of post David. Um, that's kind of how we see the eras. <laughs> is is uh, so currently we're in the post David era, I guess you could say. Um, so the Rick and I version of Player Blue, the current version of Player Blue. Um, yeah, and so uh, we we've been working on this for uh, just about a year now, actually. Um, which is taking way longer than i originally anticipated mm-hmm. originally um last september i thought we were going to have it done by like december i thought we were going to release by christmas not even close nope. um and it always then, takes uh, longer w- than which is think. unfortunate because a lot of the music was written and already arranged by that point um none of the vocals maybe for the, the title track apprentice they were written and everything um but uh we we learned a lot about recording and a lot about this and that we recently uh, if you check out on Facebook, we have an EP update video where I did kind of like a mini studio tour. Uh, we got a whole new like recording setup uh, aside from our Behringer XR18 mixer. Uh, we made a bunch of our own cables, got a bunch of new mics. Um, you know, like I know ten times more about recording every, every six months than I did before. Mm. Um, and so we're recording the bass right now. So. Uh, you know, hopefully it'll be done by big, the end of the big year. To do, it's, hopefully, it's yeah, it's it's okay. it's a big thing, and end it seems year, like it's maybe you know I, I keep getting down about it because it's like yeah. it should take us you know not this much time to write five songs and record them. It's, but it's not only that though. We're, There's we're, so many other factors that go into yeah. to recording and, yeah. and, and, and making we, songs. We really it's, are trying to make this first thing as good as we could possibly make yeah, it. That's um, awesome because it's like we are so sick of having. Uh, I'm I'm tired of re-recording things and like our song Arata, we've made uh seven different recordings of it and i mean like seven times That's a lot have i gone in and set up my drum set with microphones and tried to record it so um, you want to have from, like a this is this the like recording. this this is the thing yeah uh and we toyed around because what we've been doing for the last couple of years we've been looking for a keyboard player and i really want to have a competent keyboard player uh because because i've written probably three albums worth of material with a lot of keyboard in it mm-hmm. um and that's where we're going to go eventually musically after this because uh, Rick doesn't want to play foot bass forever. Like, it's really cool. It's yeah. ki- it's kind of a gimmick. Um, but it's, you know, we'd like to use that as a resource in the future. But I'd really like to have a keyboard player and a bass player eventually if they could sing even better. Um, but, uh, but like, we really want to make this good enough, as good as we can. And in the future, if... Because um, if a keyboard player joined the band tomorrow, none of our current music has keyboard. Well, if we would like to eventually... Uh, add keyboard to this material i would like to do that and if at some point in time we would like to re or just like re-release apprentice with keyboard we were kind of toying around with that idea mm. and then maybe like re-recording um errata and incantation and that one cut song that was cut 
and having it be a full length, like full album deluxe apprentice edition yeah. or whatever. Awesome. Uh, with keyboard, that would be cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that'll be out soon. Um, stay tuned. You know, stay tuned. Yeah. It's, it's, and we're feeling really good about it. Unfortunately, because we don't have a bass player, uh, we probably won't be able to, to uh, perform too much of it uh, live. Tour, but, yeah. but the hardest song to play, which is probably the title track, Rick has been working on the foot bass for. Nice. Um, and we've played like a good solid couple minutes of it with him doing foot bass. And nice. we're, we were like pleasantly surprised. We with ourselves like, uh-huh. hey, we're like, we can actually it's play actually, this live. It's, this is kind of insane yeah. what we're doing. I never thought we would be sounding like three or four or five people as mm-hmm. just two, but it's it's working out. So yeah. So Apprentice coming soon. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's uh that's the end of our our episode today um we wanted to thank you so much again for you know joining us us. thanks again for having me guys i'm I'm, I'm glad you guys put this together yeah this is this is great stuff um yeah this has been the drum break podcast i hope you guys have an awesome rest of your day and we do all together peace Peace out. out